I've entitled the message this morning, I'm Not Ashamed of the Gospel. Um, this is a, you, you can turn to Romans chapter number one while you're turning there. This is a, usually called Palm Sunday, and um, this was the, the, the Sunday before Jesus was crucified. It's amazing how fickle people can be. On this particular day in history, Jesus was placed upon a, a donkey, and... Um, they threw blankets on them. And that was how a, a king was honored. Is not by bringing him in on a horse, but on a donkey. And he was led through town. And the people came and they had palm leaves and they threw them down for the donkey to walk across. And they cried out, Hosanna! They hailed him. And just a few days later, they cried out, crucify him, crucify him. That's how fickle people can be. Sinful man can't really recognize the Lord Jesus Christ. But that's what kind of prompted the message today. And we're not going to go and, and, and go through that, but we're going to talk about the gospel the Apostle Paul, in writing to those that were in Rome, said in verse number 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. The gospel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning in this, in this time, getting our thoughts, beginning to, to focus on your resurrection, which we'll do on next Sunday. But Heavenly Father, we want us to focus on the good news, the gospel. And Lord, we would pray that you would open up hearts and minds today. Lord, I ask that you fill me with your spirit today, that you give me the words to say, that you give me clarity of mind to be able to present what you have laid upon my heart this morning. Help me to be a blessing and help people to make whatever decisions they need to make, whether it's for salvation or whether it's just for service for you getting things right with you. Help them, Heavenly Father. May your Holy Spirit move upon our hearts and may a work be done today so that you might receive glory and honor for that's our purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. The word gospel means good news. 
The word gospel is also, we have a derivative of that. That's, that's where we get the word gossip. Now, when it originally came, gossip was telling the good news. Now, of course, now we've changed that as many men have changed different words. You know, it's, uh, <clears throat> and of course, we don't gossip. We only tell the truth. It's the truth, but we're going to tell everybody. You know, it's kind of like the um, preachers that got together for a fishing trip. And while they were out in a boat, they began to share with one another their deepest problems. One preacher got up and says, well, I've got this problem. I'm a horrible gambler. Uh, I, every once in a while, I take a little bit of the money and I gamble and I bet on the horses. And I know I shouldn't do that, but pray for me. I'm, I'm just a horrible gambler. Another preacher got up and says, well, I hate to admit it, but I like to take a little nip every once in a while. I've, I've got a special bottle hidden underneath the, uh, my desk. And sometimes when I'm all alone and I'm, I'm really stressed out, I, I, I take a little bit. And I know I shouldn't. And I'm praying that God will help me. Third preacher says, well, you know, I love these Cuban cigars. And I know I shouldn't because they're illegal and I shouldn't be doing it because it's not good for my body anyway. But every once in a while I do that. The last guy, he's sitting there and he's just going, oh, 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 oh. And he says, well, come on, fess up. And he says, well, I can't wait till we get home. I'm a horrible gossiper, and I just cannot wait to tell folks about what I've heard today. (laughs) But in its original, the idea of gossip was telling the good news. And what is the good news? Well, the good news is we're all sinners, but Jesus came to save sinners. That's good news. The good news is without Christ, we're dead in trespasses and sin. But the good news is we can have life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The bad news is there's none righteous, no, not one. But the good news is Jesus' righteousness is applied to those who trust Him as Lord and Savior. That's good news. The bad news is a person who dies in their sin goes to hell for all eternity. But the good news is Through Jesus, we don't have to go there. We can go to heaven. That's all good news. That's all good news. Turn with me, please, to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. Paul gives us a very good definition of the gospel. In verse number 1 of chapter number 15, we read this. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, or the good news, which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also you are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, 
and that he arose again according to the scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some have fallen asleep. And after that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles, and last of all, he was seen of me also, as of one born out of due time. The gospel, the good news. He says, I've preached this to you. You've heard it. You've listened to it. You're saved because of the gospel. There's not a person in this room that have trusted Jesus Christ as Savior outside of hearing the gospel. Now, you may have heard an entire sermon. Now, that's what I heard. I heard an entire sermon. Uh, no one sat down with me to begin with. I just went to church. The preacher got up. He preached a message about Jesus Christ and how Jesus died for our sins and that that uh, I could have the forgiveness of sins. And I trusted Christ as my Savior that very day. There are some that someone sat down with them and they went over some scripture. But no matter how it was done, if you trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior today, it's because you heard the gospel, the good news, the good news. And you accepted it. You trusted it. You're saved through it. In our, in our verse, it says, when Paul says that he's not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God. You know, some people says, uh, you know, just, just, just preach a, a good little sermon that makes us feel good. That's not our purpose. Making you feel good doesn't do any good. It just makes you feel good. But before long, you won't feel good anymore. You'll go out the door and you'll do something and you won't feel good anymore. But if we preach the gospel, it's the power of God. The Holy Spirit begins to work on the heart, getting the heart to see the need for salvation and being, uh, works on the heart, getting you to see that Jesus fulfilled that need on the cross of Calvary. And it will bring a person to a saving knowledge uh, of Jesus Christ and their whole life will be changed. The scripture says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Any one of you out here, who have trusted Jesus Christ as Savior can say the same thing. Before trusting Christ as Savior, you were one person. But after you trusted Christ as Savior, you changed. You saw things differently. Your values changed. Your destination changed. Your perspective of things changed. And dare I say that if you've Come and you've not had that change in life, then perhaps you've never trusted the gospel. Perhaps you're not saved. And that's something that you need to do. So we look at this, we see the gospel. Well, first part of it, it says that he died for our sins. He died for our sins. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says there's not one righteous, no, not one. The Bible tells us that that uh, we're born in Romans the 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 twelfth chapter tells us that we're born sinners, and I've used this example over and over and over and over and over again. But I like it; it's a good example, and it's the one thing I can always remember. I don't know about you folks, you know, but there's some things that are getting kind of you know foggy back here. But that's one thing I can remember, and that's our 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 oldest daughter when she was just days old. Okay, just days old, she started lying to us. 
couldn't believe it. My wife first noticed it. She called me in. She says, you gotta, you gotta see this. And she was lying to us. She had clean deities on. She had been fed. She had been burped. She had been cuddled and, and loved on, but she was still crying, wanting attention, but she wasn't crying. She was just going through the motions. And we stood there and we looked at that and look at this. This kid, just a few days old, and she's lying to us. And then when she recognized we weren't going to pick her up, then she just did a belly gusher, you know. <laughs> Got her way. <laughs> We're all sinners. We're all sinners. That beautiful little baby first born, and they're just the cutest little thing. And, and, and we hold them, and they're so precious. But that little baby is a sinner. And you, as parents, did never have to teach your child to sin. They did it all on their own. Amen? Did it all on their own. We're sinners. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. You're here today and you've never trusted Jesus Christ to save you. You're still in your sins. You're still a sinner. And you say, oh, no, I'm a good person. Well, you know, I don't, I don't bite the dog. I don't kick the cat. I pay taxes as few as possible, but I do pay taxes. I, 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 you know, I don't beat my wife. I don't beat the kids. I'm a pretty good person. I don't even yell at the, the neighbors. But the Bible says that you're a sinner. That all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Um, we saw a movie that was it was about it was about the, the sinful condition, and I thought it was pretty good because the individual went out and he interviewed people. And when they said, "Oh no, I'm I'm not a sinner. I'm not very good," then he began to ask them, uh, "Have you ever have you ever taken God's name in vain?" Well, you know, yeah, once or twice. Have you ever lied? Have you ever lusted? Well, then you've broken at least three of the Ten Commandments right there. You're a sinner. Somebody says, I've never sinned. You're sinning right then. You're lying. And you're guilty. The Bible tells us that we're guilty before God. An almighty, all-holy God without Jesus Christ. We're guilty. We're sinners. And we deserve to die and spend all eternity in hell. That's the punishment for sin, of disobeying God. That's not what he wants. The Bible tells us that he's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. The Bible tells us that he loves us so much that he sent his only begotten son who came and was born through the birth process and lived on this earth for over 33 years and that he, and he, and he died on the cross and shed his blood that the penalty could be paid for our sin. And it was. It is. That's where the new, good news comes in. It says that he died for our sins according to the scriptures. Turn with me, please, to Isaiah chapter number 53. This is all introduction, by the way. Oh. Isaiah 53, 
Follow along with me as I read. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground, he hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He's despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Notice the word, our. He was wounded not for his transgressions, but for our transgressions, for your transgressions, for my transgressions. He was bruised not for himself, but for our iniquities and for your iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, not his. And with his stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray and have turned every one into his own way. And the Lord hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all. The word iniquity, if you're not familiar with it, it's sin. It's a simple word. It's sin. Every time you told a lie, it was iniquity. Every time you've lusted for something or somebody, it's iniquity. Every time you've hated under your breath somebody because they did you wrong, It's iniquity. Every time, and it says that our iniquities were placed upon him. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter and a sheep before shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. Who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed and shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall many righteous servants justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare their sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Yes, he died for you. He died for me because of our sins, according to the scriptures. Now that's bad news, that he had to suffer all those things. But the good news is, after he was buried, he rose again the third day. Most likely next Sunday, uh, uh, you know, you'll be presented with the resurrection. He didn't stay dead. He's alive. They went to the tomb. They were sorrowful. They went to the tomb to finish the the burial process. And it was empty. And the angels, they said, why do you seek 
the living among the dead. He is not here. He is risen. He's alive forevermore. Bible tells us that if we, if we preach and we don't preach about his resurrection, we preach in vain. Bible tells us that if we have faith, but we don't have faith in his resurrection, our faith is vain. The Bible says that even though we may claim his name, if we don't claim his name through his resurrection, that we're still in our sins and we're most miserable. The Bible tells us that without faith in His death, His burial, and His resurrection, that we have no hope. We're just religious if we don't believe in His death, His burial, and His resurrection. And if you're here today, or you're listening to me over the internet, and you've never claimed the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you have no hope. You're still in your sins. And someday, you may die. Well, no, I back that up. No. You may not die. You will die someday. And you'll have to stand before the judge of all the universe. And he'll say, I never knew you. That's the bad news. The good news is Jesus prepared so that we don't ever have to face that. I have in my records, I've got a doctor's perspective of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And it's a very Horrible, horrible thing. That was a horrible death. Crucifixion was something that uh, many had already learned to do. And it was used as a means of, of taking care of criminals. Usually, three classes of criminals were crucified. Um, thieves were crucified. Murderers were crucified. And those that caused insurrection were crucified. The Romans came along, and the Romans, uh, they improved all sorts of things. They improved uh, roads. They improved transportation. They, impro- they, they improved all sorts of things, and one of the things they improved on was crucifixion. They got to be, they got to be very good at what they did. Very good at what they did. And in that crucifixion, not only would they, not only would they take that individual, but they would also, uh, humiliate them the best they possibly could. They would also, uh, uh, beat them, usually with a, a cat of nine tails, with a whip. It was Jewish law that an individual could not receive more than 50 stripes. They considered a, a, a 50 stripes would possibly kill an individual. So they would, they would usually give them 50 minus 1. 49 stripes. And that way if they die, they say, well, they didn't, they didn't die of, of us beating them to death. So they beat Jesus Christ with stripes. They placed a crown of thorns upon his head. And then they took him out and they nailed him to a cross and let him hang there. And in all that, he was carrying our sins. Take that in for a moment. Think about your past, the past things that you've done, and think about the things that you are doing right now. 
And those sins were placed upon him. He bore those for you and me. God said that the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And while Jesus was hanging on the cross, he was taking your sins, my sins. He was allowing them to beat him and to destroy his body in such a way that it was hardly even recognizable. He was allowing them to nail him to a cross for your sins and my sins. But the good news is he arose again the third day. Third day. Now time would prohibit me from going through all of the notes that I have this morning, but I'm just going to give you some topics here. The plan of the gospel, it it's a whole gospel. It includes everything. Okay? It's good news. Good news, Jesus died for your sins according to the scriptures. It's good news that he was buried. It's good news that he rose again the third day. It's good news that he did it for, for you and, 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 and me. It's good news that we can accept that and we can accept what he did for us. And God sees that. He sees that and he sees it through the blood. And it said here in Isaiah that when he saw that, he was satisfied. They placed a they placed a thing above his 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 uh, cross, and in Latin, uh, I believe it was in Latin, and it, and it says, basically, the translation is paid in full. How many of you have ever had a debt, or say like a car or a house or something, and you made that final payment and you got that piece of paper back and it was stamped, paid in full? Isn't that an awesome feeling? That's, that's awesome. It's paid in full when Jesus cried out, it's finished! Paid in full for your sins and for my sins. And all we have to do is accept it, trust it from the heart. The Bible tells us in Roman that from the heart man believeth under righteousness and with the mouth confession is made. Okay. So it's the whole gospel. It's a wonderful gospel. The greatest news we could ever have, the greatest news is that our sins are forgiven. When, when uh, they brought the guy, when Jesus was in the house and uh, the, the, the press was there, you know, the Jerusalem press and the uh, and, uh, Jordan press and the Samarian press. Uh, well, never mind. When the house was uh, uh, surrounded and nobody could get in there and the four guys uh, took their buddy who was who was um, uh, couldn't get up out of his bed, and they got up on top of the house, and they tore the roof off the house and lowered their buddy down so that that person could get to Jesus. Jesus said, Thy sins be forgiven thee. And the Pharisee says, <gasps> And Jesus said, What's better? What would be better than 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 that? I could raise him, you know, raise him up out of his bed, but wouldn't it be better for his sins to be forgiven? That's, that's wonderful news. The day I trusted, and by the way, he did. He said, not only that, your sins are forgiven, but he also healed him and he got up and, and, and left. But the day I trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, that's wonderful news. My sins were forgiven. And now, even though 
I'm still a sinner. My sins are forgiven. If any man confess our sin, he's faithful and just forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's wonderful news. The wonderful news, I was destined for hell and now I'm destined for heaven. Jesus said that he's preparing a place for me and he's going to come back and take me there. Or I may, I, I may go to the veil of death, but my destination is heaven with the Lord. That's good news. If the Lord should come back and the trumpet sound, the Bible says the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we that are alive and remain will be changed a moment in a twinkling of an eye. That's good news. This body that's fallen apart. Have any of you figured it out? At a certain age, the body begins to fall apart. Yeah, it just seems I was doing great up to 69. And then all of a sudden, 70 hits and... You know, my eyes are getting worse. Other parts of me are getting worse. I can't play basketball anymore. Of course, I couldn't play very well to begin with. But even when we're doing repair work, I says, well, I'm, I'm in the supervisor's capacity right now. This is what you do. And by the way, some of you young guys, if you want to learn some how to do some things, come see me. And I've got things to do. I just can't do them now, but I can show you how to do them. But the body begins to fall apart. The good news is through Jesus Christ, I'm going to get a new body one of these days. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's shouting ground. I, I left out that the brain isn't quite working the way it used to either, but I didn't, you know, I can't remember that sometimes. That's good news. So it's, it's wonderful. The gospel is wonderful. The gospel is worldwide. Okay? These flags, every one of these flags, there's people in these countries that can tell you that they know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior because somebody, somebody was willing to leave their home and their family and their culture and go to them and present the gospel the good news to them and they heard it and they heard how Jesus died for their sins and how that he was buried and he rose again the third day for them and that their sins could be forgiven and their names could be written down in heaven and they trusted it and they too are born again good news it's worldwide there are no boundaries no places that the gospel can't get in there are some some um, brother Dan and 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 uh, uh, pace, uh, go to uh, uh, the prisons and uh, they deal with some folks in the prison. You take the good news with you, don't you? They're locked up. They're not free anymore, but they could be free from their sin. They can be saved. Many a person who's been locked up in prison has come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and has the greatest freedom they've ever, they've ever known. It goes into hospitals. It, go, it goes into communist countries. Remember, remember when we do, when, remember when we made those Bibles? You know, we, we came, we gathered together and we printed up, you know, 10,000 Bibles and we sent them to the various places with their, you know, that they went out. Remember that? Our daughter was, they just had that at their, at their uh, place. They, uh, they did, uh, something like 15,000, but they had so many people. Of course, their church is quite a bit bigger than our church. They had so many people wanting to get involved in that that they told them the next year when they came, they wanted a goal of 25,000. And uh, they're printing them in Korean. 
Now, what they're doing, though, is they're not putting it, they're, they're, they're being a little sneaky, but uh, it's okay. They're not putting, you know, that it's, that it's a Bible on the front cover because they've got folks lined up in South Korea that are smuggling the Bible into North Korea. And there's going to be people in North Korea who are going to hear the good news that Jesus saves, even under the oppression of their government, that Jesus saves. They're going to hear the good news. They're going to hear the good news. It's worldwide. The person of the gospel, of course, is Jesus Christ. He has put away our sins. It was purchased with his own precious blood. He's given us forgiveness. He's given us justification. He's given us reconciliation. He's given us sanctification. He's given us access to God. He's given us peace with God. Woohoo! Good news! Good news. He's given us life, eternal life. You heard the, you've heard the old analogy, you know, life begins at 30. Well, they jump that up. You know, life begins at 40. And then it, life begins at 70. Whew. No, life begins with Jesus. That's where life begins. He's given us life. He's given us security. This world, this world cannot give you security. The White House and all the governments and the government over here, with all the governments, they, they cannot give you security. Only God can give you security. He's the one that watches out for us. He's the one that protects us. And as long as he has a job for us to do, we'll be secure. And when he's finished with the job that he wants us to do, he'll take us home. Woohoo! Good news! Good news. It's the power of God. It's the power of God. What does it do? Well, it's the power over spiritual death. Those that trust Jesus, this body may die, but the person inside this body lives forever through Jesus Christ. That's the power of God. It's the power of, over spiritual darkness. I was lost in sin. My eyes were darkened. I could not see the good news. I could not see God and what he had for me. But the day I trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, my eyes were opened. My eyes were opened and I could see clearly now over spiritual darkness. My destination changed. My destination changed. The purpose of the gospel is for salvation. Salvation from sin's penalty. Okay? From sin's penalty. Salvation from sin's power. The Bible tells us that we're no longer, we're no longer bound by sin's power. We don't, we can resist. We can say no. You know, the saying, you know, they had that phrase for a while, you know, just say no. Well, folks, we can say no to sin. We don't have to sin anymore. We can say no. I won't do that. I'm going to live for God and I'm going to let God live through me. 
Salvation from the presence of sin. No longer has to, no longer have to be part of it. I was just sharing. When I got saved, you know, I had several friends that we had, we, you know, we, uh, we had played around with. We did several things. We flew model airplanes and we did some partying and, you know, we had several things. When I got saved, there was a change. It was a, a change in desire. My want to changed. Okay, my little want to box changed. I wanted to be with Christians. I wanted to read the Word of God. I wanted to go to church. I wanted to sing the, uh, uh, the, the, the hymns, even though I didn't know them. Those are the things I wanted to do. My want to changed. And some of my friends, I, I, I tried to get them to go to church, and they didn't want to go to church. They had the same idea about church that I had at one time. And they didn't want to go to church. And I would keep trying to get, come, come with me. Let's, let's, let's go to church. And they would say, no, come with us. We're going to have a party at so-and-so's houses. Man, we got booze and everything else. But, you know, our dad let us get some beer and we're going to do that. And I said, and before long, I said, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that anymore. I've been saved from that. I don't want that anymore. I want what Christians have. And it wasn't long before I had to let those friends go. Because I said, if we want to have fellowship, come with me to church. But if you don't want to come with me to church, I'm not going to come with you to the party. I'm not going to do, I'm not going that route. It's the power of the gospel. What caused me to change? The power of the gospel. The gospel got in me and changed my desires and changed my want to's. So what do we do with the gospel? What do we do with it? Well, first of all, we need to believe in its merit. We need to trust what the gospel gives us. We need to trust the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let me say something. If you've never trusted that, please open up your heart and just trust it. The just shall live by faith. Just trust it. It's guaranteed. It works. When you trust with your own heart and you say, I will trust what Jesus did for me. I'll admit that I'm a sinner and deserve anything that I get. But I'm so thankful that Jesus died for me and was buried and rose again for me. I will trust that. Trust him as Lord and Savior. You can't go wrong. You just can't go wrong. When it's true, when it's real, and it's a real trust from the heart, it changes you. And there's never any regret. I don't think there's a single person in this room who knows Christ as Savior would say that they're sorry they trusted Jesus as their Savior. I'm not. It's been well over 50 years now, about 55 years. And I look back and there's never been a day, not one single day that I've regretted trusting Jesus as my Savior. Not one. We need to trust the merit. We need to trust the man, Jesus Christ, at Calvary. There's no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. There's no other way. You can't trust the Mormons. You can't trust Buddha. You can't trust Hindu. You can't trust the Muslims. You can't trust Baptists. Got to throw that in there. 
You can't trust this church. This church can't save anybody. But we're going to preach the gospel, and the gospel can. The gospel can. Jesus can. Trust the man. Trust Jesus. He said, I'll never leave thee and forsake thee. One of the promises, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. Trust him. He says, whosoever shall call upon him shall be saved. Trust him. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I give to them eternal life. Trust him. Trust him. He says, no one, no one that comes to him by faith will he cast out. Trust him. Trust him. And last of all, trust the motive of the gospel. And the motive is that we might have fellowship with God. That we might be forgiven. You may say this morning, well, you just you don't know. You don't know what I've done. No, I don't. And I don't care. But God knows and he does care. And he says, if you confess your sins, he'll faithful and just forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You may hear next Sunday about those that were crucified with Jesus and uh, they were thieves. And while the crowd was there, one of the one of the one of the thieves cried out and said, Save yourself and save us too, if you're really the Son of God. But one of them said, I'm gonna I'm gonna paraphrase. Shut your mouth. Don't you know? Don't you know we're getting what we deserve, but he he's not. And then he turned to Jesus and he said, Lord, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. Remember me. And Jesus said, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. The motive of the gospel is that folks get saved. The motive of the gospel is that we have forgiveness of sin. The motive of the gospel is that we're with Christ. That's the motive. Trust that motive. You you can never go wrong. It's the one decision in your life that you can make that you never regret making. What about the believers? We who have already done that. What would you, what should we do? Well, we should be reminded of the day we trusted Christ as Savior and what it did to us, how it changed our lives. We should be continually re- renewing that experience in our own minds and our own hearts and be sharing it with others because it's the gospel and the gospel is the power of God and we should be sharing it with other people. It doesn't mean we can be great orators or great thinkers, but if you've trusted Christ as Savior, you can always share it with somebody. You can always tell somebody that you were lost in sin and you came to Jesus one day and trusted him and he saved you and changed your life. You can always share that. Everybody can do that. Everybody can share that. Remember the story of 
a man that was deaf and dumb. But he was a witness for the Lord. And somebody asked, well, how in the world did he witness for the Lord? How was he a witness of the gospel? And it was real simple. He used sign, he used what sign language he could. And if somebody didn't know sign language, he would, he would point to, and he'd point up like this. And then he'd point to them. And then he'd point up to them and think, Maybe he couldn't say it in words, but he could motion, God in my heart, God in your heart. So there's no excuse for us not to be a witness. There's no excuse for us not to be able to share the gospel with somebody, somehow. The simplest way, God is good. He's good to me. He's good. He can be good to you. We can share it. We can believe it. We can possess it. We can share it. Let's pray.